Justin Tucker, the senior, on to try a 40-yard field goal out of the hold of Cade McCrary. The final play of the rivalry. Good snap and hold. Tucker's kick is up. Justin's kick is good! It's good! How you doing, man? Hey, pretty good, man. I'm, I'm pretty spent, man. It's been a long weekend, you know, going to uh, Saturday, actually Friday night. Um, couldn't sleep very much. Excited about Saturday. Uh, Saturday performed pretty well. I know me and you have kind of been digging into the analytics, kind of getting into the, the pro football focus um, stuff today. Um, I actually went back this morning and I was watching the Arkansas Rice game from this weekend as well. But it's just and then get up and cut grass and, and weed eat the things you got to do on, on your days off uh, when it's not college football. But really, really excited to talk about, you know, obviously Sarge Presser and, and, and talk a little bit about this last game against Louisiana and talk a little bit probably about Arkansas uh, moving forward to Saturday. It's going to be a short week at, week at work this week, which is always a good thing as well. Yeah, just excited. Like you said, a short work week for us right back, you know, on Saturday against Arkansas. Just excited for, like you said today, the presser was very refreshing. But in the opening statement, Steve Sarkeesian said, hey, we played very well in certain aspects of the football game and certain players played well. But at the same time, some areas of improvement need to be you know, solidified and, and the things are that, that we didn't do well on Saturday are fixable. So, yeah, just excited to get this week started. I know we got a couple of top, topics that we want to discuss right off the jump. Uh, so you want to hit some of those things? Yeah, absolutely. Um so kind of just going down here, biggest thing is is talking to really Sarge Presser. Let's start with Sarge Presser. Um, you know, last year, come Monday, um, after a tough ball game, when it seemed like every weekend, um, you get Tom Herman up there and, 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 and speaking. And I can tell you that, um, and I think you may go into this a little bit, is, you know, just like Hudson Card talked about, or just like Steve Sarkeesian talked about Hudson Card being even killed, I think you see that from from – uh, Steve Sarkeesian in, in all of his press conferences, regardless if it's a pregame, a, you know, a pregame, a postgame, uh, beginning of the week type of presser. Your thoughts, man, on on his even killed really personality when you're talking about his pressers. Uh, again, he he talked about his team, you know, kind of they held, we deferred. Louisiana took the ball, they punted to us. We got a block in the back penalty. Set us back, you know, inside the 10 yard line. Three plays that didn't do very well, punted back to them. They came down, kicked the field goal. We were down three nothing. You know, like you said, there was three plays right there where we played very bad football. But his personality, I think, is carried over to the team. They don't panic. You know, the coaches don't panic. The players don't panic. He doesn't panic. They just take each play as it, as it's delivered to them. And I, and I think, like, I think this, Works in recruiting too. Is you're very even killed. You go into a play. Your message is always the same. Hey, we're going to continue to get better. We're going to continue to work on those areas of improvement. But he never, ever, ever gets too far, too low, or too high. And, and I really, really enjoy that about you know his demeanor. It's the same message. Whether like you said, it's a pregame. It's I'm going to be watching the Monday night uh, rewind tonight. It's probably going to be the same message that it was today. And it'll be the same message when when the players take the mic later on today. I know they've done their player availability as well. Uh, but just looking to get better, looking to understand what they need to improve on each and every week and, and getting after it. 
Yeah. So, so I think another piece of that is, you know, fixable corrections and, and critical penalties. I, I think it goes back to that. We had talked about, you know, obviously uh, when you start playing these games in conference, start moving into conference, really into it's really Arkansas this week in Fayetteville, where you're playing on the road, where you don't want to put yourself behind the chains. Um, you want to allow Hudson Carr to be able to play in front of the chains each and every down. You got to watch for those critical penalties. That's number one. He said the corrections that they do see are fixable. But another thing I looked at is if you go back and again, we've looked at the, the PFF numbers and we knew coming out of this game, the pro football focus numbers, we knew coming out of this game that the, that the pass blocking numbers were going to be terrible. But if you go back and listen to, to, to coach Sark, it seemed like he didn't see the same thing we seen from that offensive line. I guess that's what the film does for you. Um, I know he had said that a couple of the tight, you know, the tight ends missed a couple of blocks there. But your thoughts, man, on what his thoughts were as far as the offensive line goes? No, one hundred percent. Like I, I, I talked about them on Sunday. I said, hey, if there's an area that needs to be improved more than any place, and I still feel this way, it's the offensive line play. But like he, he understands what players' assignments are in each particular play that he calls, and so he talked about that out of the three sacks. It was a late. You know, adjustment by the tight end that allowed the corner to get off the off the off the weak side and get to Hudson. It was another you know tight end miss misstep that allowed the second sack. So again, pass rush is not all about sacks. I think we slammed our head against the wall in the first couple of drives only to put pressure on their their middle and, and to try to wear them out on a ninety eight degree day at three thirty in Austin, Texas, which was. Ultimately, it worked because, you know, your, your, your running back went for 20 for, for 103. You know, they used him in other areas, you know, to, to help the team and slot as slot receiver. And you saw anything from from 22 to, to empty to like many different alignments, many different personnel groups in order to, you know, utilize your depth to, to wear down the opposing defense, which ultimately it did. You got 38 points. You won it a game by 20 against a ranked opponent at home, which is quite possibly – and guys have talked about this. We talked about it post game, but I think it's been more solidified since then. It's probably the most impressive opening day victory that Texas has had in a long, long time. Your thoughts? Yeah, I think the biggest thing, go back to what you're talking about is as far as his scheme goes. Um, I was talking to Jeremy about before the show started. I was one of the one of the um, got down in the red zone and you had your two running backs in then and they spread out in a, in a five wide set. And then um, the next play, you, you keep the running backs in, but then you. Um, exchanged a couple of guys for two tight ends. You went to 22 personnel, which is, to me, is is playing with those those numbers games. You know, if you go back and look at it, Whittington, you know, obviously caught, what, seven balls for 107. By the way, every every one of his targets, um, he was targeted seven times, and he caught all seven passes for 113 yards. That's that's a plus. I don't think we had any missed catches. From what I remember, I don't think anybody dropped a ball. I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think even the ball that Whittington caught out of bounds – towards the end zone, there was one. And then I think, if I'm not mistaken, there wasn't a lot of missed balls. No, no. I, I think I read a stat, and somebody on here will probably help us out, is, is Hudson was 15 for 15 inside 20 yards. Like, if they weren't going for a deep shot, like, he was accurate on target. I think he threw that one crossing route to Jordan Whittington on third down, threw right behind a, a, a Louisiana linebacker's helmet. Like, was on on top. On the ball was on target, and it was in an area where they could get the ball and do something afterwards. Like Jordan Whittington's catch, where he broke like 13 tackles on his way down to the 10 yard line. He caught the ball going across the middle, was able to break a couple of tackles, and then and then that was probably the play of the game. Kind of remind me of L.J. Humphrey against Oklahoma, you know, where he's busting tackles and the line ends up pushing him. Big, big, big play in the game. Yeah, if you look at it, going to Hudson Carden, and I and I pulled up the numbers here between the numbers. 
um, is where he loves to, to throw the ball it, between the numbers. Four for four uh, outside of 10 yards, intermediate throws, uh, four for four for 97, 97 yards for 118th uh, ranking uh, rating there. In between zero and 10 yards, you're looking at three for three, 35, 35 yards, two touchdowns, one of those touchdowns, obviously, to, to Brewer there, the tight end. Um, that would have been one of those throws as well. You're looking at a rating of 154.9. And then uh, in between probably a lot of, you know, obviously backwards throws, screens you're talking about, you know, he went five for five, six for six on on those. So he, he loves the middle of the field. He loves the middle of the field. Uh, you know, obviously if we can clean up those those big shots, and I think Steve Sarkeesian talked that about talked that talked about that a little bit. Guys are going to continue to to put the guys in the box. It's, uh if we if we see him sure that up a little bit because he went for one for four. Uh, actually, yeah, one for four, 20, 20 yards and beyond. And that one of those was that thirty four yard reception to um, Xavier Worthy on the left hand side of the the pass. But uh, I, he definitely loves the middle of the field. He loves uh, he loves Whittington. And I, and I think that's the game plan. I think that's the game plan. When you're talking about comfortable throws for a, for a freshman's first start, you're looking to to create the the game plan or the you understand that in practice. Like you see the balls that he's comfortable throwing, you see the balls that he completes, and you try to script your playbook. And I love when Steve Sarkeesian puts dots on plays. Every time they bust a big play, they go to the sidelines and give him credit. He has that menu in front of him, and he's putting a dot on that play, which means he's probably going to come back to that again during the football game. But yeah. Like creating a, a game plan for success for your for your, your redshirt freshman, but a guy in his first start uh, to 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 allow him to be successful. No, don't put him in, in criticals. And that's that's again, that's a great thing that Bijan allows you to do is to lean on him. You know, when when things aren't aren't going well, or or when you need a big play, you can like you said, put him in the slot. He he runs a, a post route on a linebacker or a safety, gets open and and, and runs the ball down for 30, 35 yards. Yeah, allow your weapons to be weapons. Uh go back to to what we are going to talk about. Um, you want to talk about BJ Foster, man. 70, 70 out of 71 snaps on the defense side of the ball. Yep. So again, BJ, BJ was like the had the largest snap count of all the guys on defense. And he was put in multiple situations like uh, he is the boundary safety for this for this football team, but you saw him in coverage and he played well. He was down in the box. He getting made a timely uh, onside kick recovery on special teams. Seventy out of seventy one snaps, and he and he graded out pretty doggone well. So a guy that we didn't see initially starting uh, at this safety group when when the, the fall camp started played seventy out of seventy one snaps. Played very very well. But him and and, and fourteen back there, schooler back there, you got to feel very comfortable along with Deshaun Jameson, Josh Thompson, Anthony Cook. But the senior group, they're going to be in the right positions. They just got to make those plays. But, but yeah, it, I was very it, impressed by him. But if you look at it, you know, um, it, it, from, a, from a snap count, you got B.J. Foster with 71 snaps. You got Anthony, uh, Anthony Cook with 58 snaps. And you start going down. Jacoby Jones had 47 snaps. Uh, Jaron Thompson, 46 snaps. So if you look at it, Jaron Thompson actually had more snaps than Brendan Schooler at that at that uh, fills out safety or free safety uh, position. And then you have Jody Barron that played 39 snaps and played really, really, really well, by the way. He graded out very, very high from a coverage standpoint, uh, Jody Barron did. And then um, obviously Sean Jameson. I think when Sean Jameson went out, I think that's when Jody Barron probably took his place there um, at the end of the game. And then Darian Dunn played really well as well, <laughs> you know, forced fumble. A force fumble as well, and uh, if you look at it from a coverage standpoint, Deshaun Jameson, uh, they only threw at him one time. They only threw at Deshaun Jameson one time for five yards. 
he graded out 72% on, on coverage. And then right behind him, what is Jody Barron and then Jaron Thompson and, and then BJ Foster, it looks like, and then Anthony Cook. So, yeah, I, I think moving forward, I think that is one of the the offensive line and really your your uh, secondary. Those are probably the two things I'm going to probably look forward going look forward to some improvement moving forward into into next week against Arkansas. And I, and I think they they covered well. Like going back, like you said, and going back and looking at the grace the guys had in, in pass coverage, they played very very well. Like you talked about Dunn's numbers, Jameson's numbers, Thompson's numbers, Barron's numbers. Josh Thompson slipped in coverage a couple of times. And he got the ball caught on him, but, but Anthony Cook played well. Uh, BJ Foster, we talked about him, you know, doing well on what he's supposed to do. Like they're going to put him in many different situations, but he performed enough to get 71 snaps. So yeah, excited about the secondary. Again, the only, uh, area of improvement or needed vast improvement coming out of this football game that I thought was the, the pass protection game of the offensive line. Uh, but again, Steve Sarkeesian thinks they, they blocked better than, than I did. Uh, he talked about that today in his post or his, in his <laughs> press conference. So I have to go back and rewatch the game probably for a fourth time uh, to see you know those those mishaps and, and those plays that 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 I didn't have them graded well that he did. Yeah, I, again, as we're looking at it, it's like because you're, you're not getting a lot of movement. And I think I think moving forward, I think physicality is where you need to be at. And we're we'll probably get into the Arkansas game a little bit. There's a lot of Arkansas conversation here. Believe me, I, I watched that Arkansas Rice game. I got up. You know, my dog always likes to get up at about six o'clock, and she likes to be, put the big paw on me. Uh, that means it's time to get up and move. So I go in there and make me a, a cup of coffee, and I'm like, "Hey, let me see if I can find this on YouTube." So if you want to watch that Arkansas Rice game, you can actually find it on YouTube. There, um, I think it was played on the SEC channel, probably the SEC Plus. Crazy thing about it, man, they first sell out since 2017. I'm gonna tell you what, there's gonna be a lot of burnt orange there. There's a lot of burnt orange fans uh, that probably live in uh, Longhorn fans that live in Arkansas. And if not, if not there's got a whole bunch of people that are going to be up there traveling. Uh, that's what that tells me. If you ain't sold out your stadium since 2017, it's not your fans that are helping you sell out that stadium. It's it's the burnt orange is going to show up in Fayetteville on Saturday night, man, in Arkansas and root this team on. Because I think I think that's where this excitement is. Um, I know you put out some some I think a tweet last night from the from the FBI. Uh, I think that's what it was, the football power index. And yeah, I, I got off Twitter for a few minutes because I, I wasn't going in and li- like looking at the comments and stuff. But I think we'll probably, I think when they publish it, obviously Ole Miss, um, usually after Labor Day weekend, they wait till that second, that I mean, that Tuesday to put out the, the AP and the coach's poll. I have it somewhere probably between, I, I'd say, uh, I would put us uh, th- somewhere between 13 and 16. Yeah, I think is where yeah. they'll have us, both on the coaches and the AP poll. Yeah, I think 14, 15 is probably the answer. The reason why I tweeted out the FPI is because it's over this summer, you felt like A&M had a big recruiting advantage because everybody thought they were that much better than Texas. After this weekend, I think you've made up a lot of ground with, with you know, A&M. And that's, that's kind of why I was, you know, sending it out is you're not that far off. Just to remind, you know, the fan base that, that – and I know the guys that watch our show understand that, but but the fan base that you're not that far away. And Steve Sarkeesian said it. Like, I think we have a championship roster when he took the job, and he said it again in immediate days. It's just we got to clean up, you know, certain things. And so I'll never stop, you know, touting, you know, this this roster and these players, but at the same time understand that you got to win the games you're supposed to win. And if you do that, then you're probably going to put yourself in a, in a good position to compete for a Big 12 title this year. But yeah, going back to 17, the last time Arkansas, you know, sold out their stadium, you got to look at their results. Like in 16, they were seven and six, 17, they were four and eight, 18, two and 10, 19, two and 10. And then last year, three and seven. So they haven't had a very good product that they put on the field, you know, over the last couple of years in Arkansas. So yeah, I, I got a feeling like you do. 
that that is going to be quite a bit of burn orange, you know, in Fayetteville on Saturday night at six o'clock when we kick this thing off. Yeah, so I just want to bring up a comment here. Joshua Young, uh, Joshua Young I know he went to the game. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed your time there. Hopefully you wore some sunscreen. Hopefully you hydrated because I, I give everybody, everybody that was at that game props, man. You heard about it that a lot. It felt, it felt like 120 degrees inside that stadium with, with as many people there was. Probably felt like 140 on the field. Uh, this game was scripted for the linebackers to produce. Our defense, defensive line is perfectly fine. This is probably to a comment from someone that was kind of worried about our defensive line. I think they did what they were supposed to do, man. They ate up blocks. They allowed these uh, these linebackers to be able to, to find their run fits uh, without having a bunch of hands on them from, from offensive line and, and go out there and make plays. Because if you look at it from a from a tackling standpoint, you got Marvin Overshawn, Luke Brockmeyer, Obio Gofu, David, Begin, uh, David Benda, you know, were their top tacklers on the entire team. Um, and I think that's what was set up is that, hey, let's take on these blocks and, and get our linebackers in space to be able to make plays on their running back and their quarterback. It, and it was. And it's it's one of the things that my myself and Josh Thompson's dad talked about last night was, you know, the ability for the defensive lineman to keep them off of DeMarvian and David and Luke and let them do their thing. The same thing happened on the back end, too. You continue to get pressure, whether you make sacks or not. And I think we, we, we misquoted the sack numbers on Saturday night. We said they had six. They actually had four. They had seven quarterback pressures. If I'm oh, no seven tackles for loss, four sacks. So we misquoted the the sack numbers on Saturday. So let's get that right. Number one, but it but it feeds off each other. D line, you know, keeps keeps those linemen off the linebackers, which allows them to fill holes and make top make stops. But at the same time, if the even if they don't get the sack numbers that we think they should get, or those tackles for loss, at least they're pressuring uh, number ten. And I and I know. I know that uh, Spencer Tillman, going back and watching the game a couple of times, I, the first time I listened to the with Sound Down and with our guys, Craig Way and Roger Wallace and, and Will Matthews calling the game, but I, this last time I listened to it with Spencer and, and Tim Brando, and he was talking about that, that he had never seen in his time watching film on Levi Lewis, had never seen him under that much duress, having to move around. And so, again, if you don't get the sack numbers, if you don't get the pressure or the hurry numbers – at least that guy was having to move around the pocket, not able to set his feet and, and hit throws down the field. Uh, since we're on defense, so, since we're on defense side of the ball, let's talk. Uh, had, it looks like uh, so we had six hurries as well, six hurries uh, and one batted ball too. So anytime you can get you know pressure on the from the may not get to him every time, but if you're putting pressure on them 10, 12, 11 times a game and, and making them hurry those throws, it, it's going to put them in a, in a situation where they feel like they they seeing things that aren't there. Uh, start second guess themselves. Can't see the coverage that's happening. The game starts speeding up a little faster than what you want it to for a what fifth year senior uh, in, in, in Levi uh, to feel that way during the game is is big time. Ten missed tackles is what uh, Pro Football Focus has is missing in the game, and I think one of them have to be on that twenty six yard run. I think probably missed six or seven on that one. I'd like to see that get down to, to definitely single digits, man, moving forward. But again, it's one of those things that I think first game ten ta- ten missed tackles. Um, if you watch a lot of these games that we've watched over the last two days, there was a lot of missed tackles. I think that happens, you know, the first game out. So I think I would love to, to see that number dwindle down a little bit during for this Arkansas game as well. The number keeps changing too. Post game, it was eight on Saturday night uh, or yesterday when me and Clint looked at these numbers, it was eight. Then this morning, I heard uh, P and E reference it and had nine, so I refreshed my screen. It was nine, and then this afternoon it's now ten. So yeah, at a seventy-one scrimmage plays, ten missed tackles, and like Clint said, I feel like four or five of them are on the same play, the same reception. So yeah, it, it's cleaner. Again, you, you're never going to be perfect, but you want 
those guys to, to, to make tackles. And Steve Sarkeesian talked about that, getting the guys down the ground. Like when we need to get guys down on the ground, we got the guys down on the ground, which is important. And again, I think it's a lot. It's set up with that with that front four to 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 keep those guards and tackles off our linebackers to make those plays. And then again, with the pressures, it, it feeds the back end as well. Yeah, so Terry Freeman's uh, comment um, keeping that Louisiana quarterback in the backfield was a goal for our defensive line. Again, yeah, pass rushing lanes mean a lot, man. Staying in your lane means a lot because, again, if you're getting inside pressure but your two guys from the outside are, are going upfield but they're not going too far upfield to allow them to be able to leak out, it's going to be important. It's also going to be important during this Arkansas game. We'll get into that a little bit, but I want to save some of it until, um, obviously, our pregame on, on Thursday and then on our podcast, really on our podcast on Thursday, and we're also doing the pregame on Thursday this weekend as well, right, Jeremy? Pregame live will be on Thursday, but it, it more than likely 7 o'clock. But the same thing you're getting in that quarterback that you had with, with Louisiana is the same thing you're getting from that Arkansas quarterback, minus, I would say, the ability to have a good passing percentage. Uh, so we'll get into that a little bit, but that's going to obviously be one of the keys of the game. I think he had 89, I say 89 uh, rushing yards. Arkansas quarterback had 89 rushing yards against Rice this week. And it's because they had, had a, you know, just leaking out and in, into space. And you're going to have to watch that this weekend, make him uh, beat you by passing the ball versus letting him uh, run the ball. Yeah. I think the game plan is the same gap integrity, yep. like do yep. your job. Like, like you said, Obi or whoever, or Jacoby or whoever's out there or Thornton rush the passer with, you know, a little bit of discipline. Don't overrun him. Don't allow him to get back up in the pocket and, and bust big runs. But yeah, uh, gap integrity is going to be important. Again, you're going to use Coburn and, and Tavondre and and Morrow to teed up those blocks from the interior linemen to allow Luke and 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 Demarby to do their thing. And then you got to cover a little bit better. But but I think the game plan remains the same. Uh, worry about yourself. But yeah, it's to me, it's it's. Definitely a winnable game going up there to Arkansas. And again, it's we talked about this a couple of weeks ago when we talked about the move to the SEC that it's a statement game. The SEC network will be there. It's not an ESPN game day. They're going to be at Iowa State versus Iowa. Uh, but the SEC network will be there. So so Paul Feinbaum and that group uh will be will be on set in Fayetteville. And it, and it's a statement game for Texas. Texas teams go out there and do what they're supposed to do. And that's be the team that's again, I talked about their record two and ten, two and ten, and three and seven over the last three years. Uh, need to go in there and, and play a good brand of football and, and showcase our talents. But I did, I did hit the, I hit the like button, fam. Uh, yeah, so there's 115 folks in here currently. Uh, we're really, really close to 3,000 subscribers. I think we're within what was it, 20 when when the show probably started. Uh, so yeah, if you have not subscribed to our channel, please subscribe to our channel. Uh, hit the like button because again, we're like Clint said, we're doing three or four shows this week. Just did the Jamon Tap Commitment Corner. Uh, yesterday and put that out. So if you haven't had a chance to see that, please go out and look at that along with Dre Bledsoe and Aaron Bryant. We also have a commitment corner on those three defensive linemen that Bo Davis has brought into the program over the last, not brought into the program, but have committed to the program over the last week, 10 days. Uh, catch the waybacks here. Besides the offensive line, what is your biggest concern with our squad after week one? That's, that's it. Uh, offensive line. And then, like I say, the coverage was there in this football game. Again, I want to see that continue to solidify itself. Again, you talked about a lot of guys playing snaps, whether it be Darian Dunge, Dave Barron, Keaton Crawford, Josh Thompson, uh, Deshaun Jameson, and then the secondary, you know, Jaron Thompson, Brendan Schooler, and, and, and B.J. Foster. And they all played well. I thought they played very, very well. But continue to solidify that, get better each and every week in the defensive backfield. And then, you know, give me, give me four or five more sacks next week against Arkansas. 
Yeah, I think I think coverage. If we're if we're looking at if we're looking because they they got a they got an all SEC. I think first team or second team or wide receiver Arkansas does. And and again, I think uh, when you're talking about coverage and you're talking about having the same game plan on the defense side of the ball, I think we have to watch that third. You know what I'm saying? Because we gave up, we did give up some 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 easy receptions in in zone. So I, I think that's the biggest thing for me is really just coverage. Really, on the defense side of the ball, it's going to come down to coverage. It's going to it really how your how your secondary continues to play week after week after week. That's one of the things. But me and Jeremy talked about coming into the season. Um, you were ranked 108th last year from the from a from a defensive secondary position. And to me, that's that's what's not a concern, but I think that's where we need to see the most growth as we move forward. We have a, a senior laden defensive backfield back there, uh, a lot of depth and a lot of experience. Um, I think what we need to do is just see them consistently get better each and every week. I think a lot of the the I think the two out of the 282 yards, I think some of that came at the end of the game when you're sitting back in too really too deep and and allowing under cover uh, under you know them just to kind of dink and dunk all the way down to the field for really that last touchdown. Um, so I just want to I, I think seeing them and the offense progress each and every week is is kind of where I'm at at this particular point as well. Yeah, I know you said you watched Arkansas versus Rice. Yeah, I'll go back and watch. Uh, they got a receiver, Traylon Burks, last yep. year. 51 receptions, 820 yards, and seven touchdowns. Probably going to go watch him do his thing against Rice. Uh, don't know how he performed. Didn't look at the box score, but that seems to be their guy. And then Davion Warren, who's a senior, uh, who was pretty productive last year as well. So go back and watch Arkansas's tape and see 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 what we got to work against. And then a guy like Keetron Jackson, who, who Texas had, you know, uh, at one time really coveted uh, that 21 class who ended up going to Arkansas. Uh, don't know if he got much playing time this weekend, but definitely go back and watch that Rice and, and Arkansas game to see to see what our opponent looks like next week in the in the pass game. Um, Trace Williams had catch the wave of eggs here. The offensive line got a grade uh, of C minus for me. Hell, they got a they got an F from one of the other uh, guys on 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 Saturday night after after during the live after the post game show. Uh, I think I probably gave him a D. Pro Football Focus probably gave him worse than that, and that's that's you put up thirty eight points. You had a running back uh, that went for over 100 yards. You only gave up three sacks. I'll take a C minus, man. You imagine we get to that B, that B plus. If Kyle Flood can get these guys to to play that they want to consistently each and every play, uh, it tells you how good this offense can be moving forward. If you if if the offensive line played as bad as what they what we seen they did, um, and you still put up 38 points against a, a, a formidable opponent, man. Everybody kind of, you know, we beat – you're ranked number 23 for a reason. They have only had one loss for a reason. So I don't want to take anything against uh, away from Louisiana. Um, you go back and listen to their, their coach, man. He said that they, they had a game plan. You know, Pete Kwiatkowski was confusing the hell out of their quarterback and, and, and Steve Sarkeesian was confusing the hell out of their defensive coordinator. So any time that – and I've seen that comment here multiple times. It felt like our, our coaches out-schemed their coaches – and it felt like that hasn't happened in a long time either. No, 100%. I totally agree with you. Guys are talking about Roshan playing Wildcat for, for a play and, and his ability to throw the ball. You want, Again, you want to put as many different personnel sets. We talked about empty. We talked about two tight ends, two running backs. Uh, we talked about, you know, one running back, one tight end, and three receivers. Like, as many different personnel groups, as many different alignments as you possibly can. To Barry Odom's a hell of a, an accomplished defensive coordinator defensive coordinator we're going against, you know, this week in Arkansas, who was the Missouri coach at one time, uh, very accomplished. So you want to put as many different things on tape for them as you possibly can. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian's had pretty good success 
against uh, Arkansas. Clint shot me a picture of the the box score. I think from last year. I think the final was fifty two to three. Uh, so going that with that same game plan you had against them last year and, and everything, make, it probably probably is going to work out in favor. Like you said, the, the offensive line definitely does need to improve. We 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 said more Saturday post game, and then going back and looking at the grades by PFF, I think we're all in alignment. Uh, you listen to Jeff Howell talk about it today on Like the Tower, and he he's a guy that really concentrates on the offensive line and their play. And he said the same thing that that Kyle Flood has has his work cut out for him, you know, over the next couple of weeks, get this group better. Uh, but it's, you're going to see the most improvement from game one to game two. Now you finally have, you know, film against an, another opponent other than your front four uh, to, to, to work off of and, and to get better. But yeah, there may be a point in time where guys start seeing the bench and a guy like Hayden Connor gets a chance to play a guy like, you know, Andre Kerr gets a chance to play. Uh, if you're not consistently producing, that's, that's what we need to see. So, so real quick, uh, Candace Queen B, I actually seen some photos, man, on, I think it was on her Instagram. She, boy, she's got some good seats, really, really, really good seats. I'd like to know where those seats are at. Maybe, uh, you can, you can save me and Jeremy one of those seats one of these days, Candace. She's talking about, I think he's still moving guys around, figuring out who's the, the best in which position. I think each practice goes by and he's looking at it. Each game goes by and I think they're going, he's going to try to put the best five out there, but everybody kind of goes in on Okafor real quick. So I just want to kind of go grades, man. He had the highest run block grade that there was, and it was a 75, but the problem is he had the third worst pass block grade uh, of a 36. And I don't want to go through the pass block grades because they're horrible on here, but he, in run blocking, he was the highest graded run blocker. And then uh, if you look at Derek Kerstetter, Derek Kerstetter was the highest uh, rated pass blocker, um, and then was a middle of the line when it came to run blocking. Uh, and I think you just got to figure out which, who, who's, what their strong suit is and maybe position it like that. But again, I'm not Kyle Flood. Kyle Flood's probably one of the be- better offensive line coaches in, in the country. So I'm going to let him do his thing and we'll kind of see what it looks like, uh, you know, come arc, um, come, you know, after the Arkansas game. Yeah. Candace said those weren't her seats. They're a friend of hers. But yeah, definitely. She said you could get spoiled by by sitting there. Uh, I tell you who else has really nice seats in Texas Clinton is Rocky Osborne from Fire the Cannon. Like she literally probably could have touched uh, Hudson Card or or an offensive lineman or two with the pictures that she was taking. Yeah, they were definitely on the rail right behind our bench. And yeah, definitely great seats. Where you want to go next? I like this one here. Where'd he go? I like Cash Waves, man. I, I, he's getting a lot of love today. Sark seems to have a humble spirit that's equally uh, intuitive and strategic. I, I think the same thing, man. I think uh, it's humble pie, man. When you've gone through what he has gone through and he's had an opportunity to learn from what he did at such a young age, you can always lean back on that and, and understand it. Like I think what he said last week, nobody loves, nobody likes to be fired from something. I, I, I can honestly say I've never been fired by from anything, you know, I've had some bad days, some good days, and I think that's where it comes from. He's he, he's a humble guy that has another opportunity to do what he wants to do and love loves what he does and wanted to be a head coach. And University of Texas and the administration went out there and got this guy. and And I think just like you're talking about, he's humble, he's intuitive, and I think when it comes to strategy, he is going to make these defenses look really, 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 really crazy. Yeah, and and. Like Greg is saying, it's a it's a breath of fresh air to 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 hear accountability and, and correction and those things on on his on his Monday press conference that we really didn't get over the last couple of years. And again, it is refreshing. It is intuitive. It is. And somebody asked him. I think it was Anwar Richardson from Orange Bloods asked him today about red zone and, and how he coaches in the red zone because he's always talking about gut. 
you know, my gut led me to, to do, to make this decision. My gut allows me to make this decision. And so, and so Anwar asked him today, you know, in his red zone, they were perfect. You know, once they got inside the red zone, they scored touchdowns and he doesn't want to kick field goals. And he, he you know, field goals are a way to get you beat because if you get a third down stop on defense, that's, that's costing you four points or gaining you four points on the other end. But uh, asked him how he coached the red area and he said tactical. Like, I, I figured out what I needed to do going down the field that's made me successful to get inside the 20, and I'm going to continue to do that. He said he talked about how they'd run Bijan up the gut, slam their head against the wall, and then Kay Brewer gave him a look on the sideline and said, run it again, coach. Like, they're getting tired out here. And he ran it again, and Bijan scored on the next play. So, yeah, it's good allowed him to watch his players and his players' reaction led him to call the play. Uh, but it's always tactical. You know, you're setting stuff up, especially that that – John Robinson, you know, tossed out to the flat where it's double side ends to, to the left side. You know, everybody saw that they 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 moved to safety over there to cover the tight end. But again, B. John was able to creep outside and be wide open for that first touchdown. I'm working on getting the blitz numbers here because um, the, the question was asked by Tracy Williams how 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 much did they blitz? Did they blitz very much? They didn't. So uh, they they blitzed 12, 10, 18 times. 18 times, according to Pro Football Focus. Um, 71 snaps. Yeah, that's 71 snaps. It's, it, they didn't blitz a lot. It, it was really just a, a front issue. You know, obviously, I think you had some gap integrity issues where they were stunting a couple of guys, which created probably false pressure. You were kind of some under pressure. But as far as like when they blitzed, he, believe it or not, uh, he, he completed 60% of his balls while, uh, when they did blitz. So for 112 yards, 11.2, point, uh, 11.2 yards per attempt. Uh, when they did blitz. So he he definitely kept his head up. I think that's when he got out of the pocket. And he was able to move outside the pocket. And he was able to find, you know, uh, Whittington on the run. Or or I think that's where a lot where Whittington came in. Because if you look at Whittington's uh, completions, they all came down near on third down and fourth down. I think fourth down and six and, and a lot of third downs to get his first downs is where he found. So I, I think that's his I think it's security blanket moving forward is, is Whittington. Uh, but I think he's a he's a threat that you have in the slot that's going to allow him to to create space between probably the linebackers that are on him or those slot corners that are currently on. He's a big guy too, um, so if you try to come up and press somebody like Whittington, I, I think he's going to probably use his strength to be able to get off the line, find that space as well. So yeah, and you didn't you didn't see a whole lot of Cavante Dixon. You didn't see he had four snaps. You had Kyle Money had one snap. Somebody asked about Jatavian Sanders. Whether he played or not, he had two snaps. But yeah, this whole uh, receivers coming in and out. I'm interested to see once what happens once Troy Amiri comes back. How many times they're going to run four wide receivers? If that helps create mismatches. But Marcus Washington nine snaps. Keelan Robinson twelve snaps. Uh, so again, and Keelan Robinson when he played, he played very very well. Roshan played very well. And then again, we know what Bijan adds to adds to the fold. But yeah, folks talking about you know. Jonathan Brooks, you know, fall performance and would it lead to playing time? No, it didn't. It didn't lead to playing time for Avante Woodard, Kai Money, Marcus Washington. You know, you were rolling your same three dudes out there and they were Whittington, Worthy, and, and Joshua Moore. And like I said, I'm interested to see what happens once uh, once 21 comes back. Like how much play is he going to get? Because, again, I think he creates not matchup nightmares for opposing defenses because a little bit different body. Uh, they possess a 6'3 and 230. See what he can bring to the – Bring to the table. They did a good job rotating them defense tackles out, you know, and the nose tackles out. Because if you go look at the the numbers of plays they played, you're looking at Vernon Broughton had 25, Calendar Coburn had 25, Devondre Sweat had 24, Byron Murphy had 22. Uh, so that's the rotation right there. Probably 24, 25 snaps. Um, it was hot. It was hot. Those guys needed to come out. 
and again, they're, they're taking on blocks that those linebackers can make plays. A lot of questions about Alfred Collins. I, I can tell you that uh, me and Jeremy's inside doesn't tell us what's going on with Alfred Collins. There's some rumors out there, but I don't want to speculate uh, on the situation. But I can tell you he only received two snaps. Uh, same thing with Ben Davis. Looks like they only um, total two snaps apiece when, it, when you look at the, um, it, it's the snaps during the game. But, yeah, I, I'm definitely not sure what's going on with Alfred Collins, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see if they actually put some information out. Yeah, like I said, we're not going to speculate, but he was on the sidelines. He got in for two plays. Folks talking about position switch, folks talking about, you know, other things off the field. So again, we don't, we don't know what's going on there. Uh, but it's, it's, it's kind of crazy. Uh, that probably, probably one of the best performers in the Alamo Bowl, number 95, and probably has the, one of the best skill sets, talent sets on that defensive line, uh, hasn't found his way on the field, you know, more than two snaps against, uh, against uh, Louisiana. But again, this, this, this coaching staff is going to basically, if, if you're, if you're there and, and your heart's in it and your mind's in it and your play is in it, then you're going to play. If it's not, then you're probably going to sit on the sideline. That's, that's all I know. <laughs> they're funny, man. They're, uh, they're funny. Damn. Don't say rumors did not share another, another yeah. comment behind it. Please speculate and share rumors, laugh out loud. And, and then you got K word down here. Don't hold back chance. Aha. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, I, I just don't want to get into that. You know, you can go to message boards and probably read anything you want to read on Alpha College. And again, that that really doesn't tell me anything unless it's coming from a formidable writer or somebody that on on the team that's actually putting out the information. So we won't do that. Sorry. Yeah, let's talk about this guy right here, man, Brockermeyer. We'll talk about Brockermeyer, and let's talk about Ovia Gofu, man. Yeah, he made the he play on himself, man. He yeah, yeah, yeah. Himself. No, you know, he, had a, he had an opportunity to go take some scholarships at other places, man. And he sat behind and he waited and waited and waited. It's funny because I, I didn't know the story about a Tart Orlando saying, hey, three years, two years, three years down the road, this guy's going to be starting somewhere. Uh, just give it his time. And, and he bet on himself, man. And, uh, and, and you got a guy that comes in here, he's a second leading tackler. Um, and if I go look at it, you, you're talking about people were worried about his, his, his coverage skills, tackling. Right now, he's he's above fifty percent on, on on coverage, which is really really high. Believe it or not, pass rush currently is sixty seven, but he's I think he's where he needs to be at. Where is consistently where he needs to be, at. and I think him and Debarbi and Overshone play together as a package really well. And I think that's where it comes down to when you're talking about linebackers going out there and making the right calls. It sounds like Debarbi and Overshone said he's the one that's out there making the the calls. Um, it's not like he was starting his first game. He seemed like he, he understood what was going on. He was seeing what he needed to, to relate to everyone else. I, I think it's a big deal moving forward, man. Solid. Like his skill set is completely different from Overshone's. Like Overshone's going to be your blitz guy. He's going to be your cover guy out of that linebacker core. And all you want Brockermeyer to do is play that middle. Like you said, make the calls and make the tackles. As soon as Coburn and, and Tavondre Sweater or Chomo eat up those guards that he makes the makes that play on the running back. And it's exactly what he did. I don't know if you talked about his missed tackle numbers, but yeah, 10, 10 total tackles. And I, and I want to say that maybe at one miss, maybe two, but yeah, his, his, his job is two, two missed tackles, eight total tackles by pro football focus, but 10 graded out by the team. And like Steve Sarkeesian said, he made those tackles early in the early in the first half because then they were forced to pass in the second half to try to play catch up, which is why the safeties then, you know, make tackles and the corners make tackles. But yeah, he, he's doing what he's supposed to do. And that's allow Coburn and, and Ajumo to eat up the, the guards and the, in the, in the centers. And then he's supposed to make the play on the running back, which is exactly what he did. So Ovi, Ovi actually graded out the highest on, on rush defense, um, on damn near at 80, really, really high. Um, and if you look across the board, he, he graded out really, really, really good. I think he's going to be a pass rush 
guy that's going to be consistently somebody that the teams, other teams are going to have to consistently worry about each and every game. And I think that's what we were missing. And I think that's where we had to kind of pick up the pieces this year and try to figure out who's going to be our pass rush specialist. And I think probably Hobie Gofu probably moving forward is probably going to be that guy moving forward. Any recruiting momentum from this weekend? It seems like, you know, Justice Finkley is supposed to defensive lineman out of what, a trust, Trustville, Trustville, Alabama, has decided he is going to announce 530 on Thursday. So we'll kind of see where that goes between Colorado, Alabama, and Texas. When you look at the reports today, uh, what makes me feel good about it, he wants to go to medical school. Uh, One of the things he says, football and education are are equally as important to him. And I think that Texas allows him to have that football, that education. And then he talked about that medical, the medical school will be right there on the, on the 40 acres, have an opportunity to get him. And then uh, Shaz Preston, another guy from the boot there in Louisiana. Um, I think he's the number five wide receiver, according to two, four, seven, put us in his top for today. So I think, I think recruits are starting to see it. I think recruits are starting to see it. We'll, we'll kind of see what happens. I think it's got to be consistent game after game after game. I think, as the offensive line gets a little better, I think you'll be able to open it up a little bit more. I think you'll see a little bit more Keelan Robinson. I think you'll see more Xavier Worthy. I think you'll see more Joshua Moore. Um, and if Whittington can, can continue to do his thing across the slot, you're talking about guys like Brendan Thompson, Jazz Pre- Chaz Preston, um, and Evan Stewart that, that would love to come in and play that same slot role for Starkey Star- yeah, Star- as well. Yeah, you def- definitely didn't hurt yourself this weekend. And again, yeah. in recruiting, a lot of it has to do with, you know, who you're recruiting against and how are they performing as well. So LSU didn't make a good account for themselves against UCLA. A&M struggled for, for, a, for a large part of, the, part of their game uh, that they played on Saturday. So, yeah, you're recruiting against the same kind of folks. But, yes, Shaz Preston having us in his top four with those SEC members that we're going to be playing very shortly in Alabama, Georgia, and LSU. And then, like you said, the Trustville, Alabama defensive line, Justice Finkley, but both the school and the, the you know football perspective – like you said, he wants to be a doctor. He wants to be a pro football player at the same time, which is very, you know, commendable. We'll see what happens on Thursday. But Josh, Josh Young, we only have one number five. So I wonder what will happen when they see DJ on defense the entire game. Sam Pittman, the head coach of, of the Arkansas Razorbacks, uh, mistakenly thought that that Bijan was the kick returner, not Deshaun Jamison. And then there were some jokes going around Twitter, you know, how he could lock people up in man coverage. Also be the running back. So, yeah, we get we get the whole number five worn by two different players and are excited to see both those guys perform against Arkansas this weekend. Well, he, he's not the only one that messes that up, though. You know what I'm oh, saying? You, know, you, can't, you, can't, you can't get the guys we're, we're getting analytics from. Football focus. Yeah. yeah, they can't get it right on Twitter. So, I don't know if it's on purpose at this particular point. Hell, they had a what's-his-face uh, in there, uh, uh, the other number five running back from Sugar Bowl. Help me out. Uh, Cal, Cal transfer. Oh, Watson. 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 Trey Watson. They had no, Trey no, no, Watson. No, no. Yeah, Trey Watson. They had Trey Watson in there today. So it's like yeah, it, I don't know. Him? I don't know if they. I don't know if they're doing it on purpose anymore. Uh, it, it's funny, but um, yeah, they, they they haven't got it right yet. I want to bring something up real quick because I think this is true, man. If you go back and obviously if you watch Longhorn Network, you watch a lot of Longhorn football old stuff. Dodge Tech Spare here, the play where Dunn came up to hit that hit, make that hit and force that fumble, had me. Uh, at, had me so happy, reminiscent of how physical our corners played uh, when we were on top. And that is true, man. We used to have some really, really physical corners, man. Brian um, Westbrook, Nathan Basher, <laughs> murderers, Earl, Th- Earl Thomas. They were murderers, man. Oh, you oh. know, uh, I think the le- best last hit I've seen uh, would have probably, what, B.J. Foster, USC, when he knocked dude's uh, mouthpiece out of his mouth. 
Uh, yeah. What was that? Uh, uh, what was his name? Had the three last names. You know what I'm talking about? Two last names for USC. Oh, oh shoot! It's it's right there. Schuster Smith Schuster. No, 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 it was one of the. Oh, I can't think of it. We'll think of it. Oh. Somebody hit us up. Somebody hit us up in the comments here. But it was when he knocked out uh, his uh, his mouthpiece man. Yeah. Yeah, Brown, St. Brown, right? Same like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, Saint, Saint Brown. yeah. Yeah, Amon, Amon, St. Brown, yeah. But, yeah, there you go, Glenn Keller, yep, same. But, yeah, Quandary Diggs, Nathan Vasher's, you know, little brother, same same deal. Um, like, monsters out there that, that would I, – I think about Griffin, you know, laying out the other day. They had the, uh, the game on, the national championship game, him laying out, I think it was Kirkman, down the sideline, huge fullback for USC – and he just launches himself and smokes him. Yeah, but yeah, Quandre. Yeah, St. Brown was the kid that, that you were talking about. A lot of Arkansas questions here. We're going to get to that probably again later on this week when we do our pregame. We'll, we'll kind of dig into it a little bit more. I still probably going to go back and watch this game one more time, kind of see where we're at, trying to dig into the analytics when it comes to, to Arkansas as well to see where their numbers sit at as far as run blocking, pass blocking. I, I have an idea of what we probably should do at this particular point. I, I, I sent Jeremy a screenshot last night. Alabama beat Arkansas 52-3 last year, and I sent Jeremy a screenshot. I said, maybe we should stick to this game plan. Whatever game plan they use to beat Arkansas 52-3 is probably the same one that, that, that Steve Sarkeesian should probably go back to. Um, so I'm pretty sure he has an idea of what he wants to do from an offensive standpoint, and I'm pretty sure that he has probably shared – what Alabama did defensively against uh, against uh, Arkansas last year to, to only give up three points, but again, you're you're talking about two different. Uh, they have Flipper Franks last year, so starting quarterback uh, this year they have a different quarterback. Um, but I think they have ten returning starters on offense or ten returning starters on defense. I think nine on defense, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, nine on offense, ten on defense. Pretty good memory. And, yeah, and these guys are talking about Seth Griffin laying out that that tight end from from Ohio State, and that changed that game. Like, they were going to go up double digits, and he bobbled that ball, and said Griffin came across the end zone and laid him out, and which, again, allowed Vince to, to hit Lima Swede late in that game to, to win the Ohio State game against them, which, again, parlayed us into an undefeated national championship against USC. But, yeah, yeah, I love defensive backs who lay the wood. So, yeah, it, it's a hopefully – Hopefully, Darian Dunn will 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 set a trend that 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 will be the first big hit we see from the secondary because it makes a difference. You know, if if you're a wide receiver and you got to worry about B.J. Foster or Brendan Schooler or, or Darian Dunn or whoever patrolling that middle of the field, you know, you get alligator arms <laughs> and you watch the ball land five feet in front of you, you know, because you're worried about some kind of hit that you're going to take, protecting your ribs, protecting your brain uh, from those type of things. But absolutely. I just want to put this out real quick, man. We're 11 subscribers from 3,000. We have 166 people on here. Hopefully out of those 166 people on here, you have not subscribed. Please hit that like button. We are currently sitting at 2989. So we're 11 subscribers from hitting 3,000. Would love to hit that before we get off here today. That would be awesome, man. To end the first week of college football in the 21 season to end with 3000 subscribers would be really, really, really awesome. So if you have not hit that subscribe button, please hit that subscribe button. We'd really, really, really appreciate it. Yeah. What's everybody's meal plan? Like, cause, cause Labor Day is, you know, synonymous with barbecues. I know when I get off here, uh, we're going to start prepping for uh, fish tacos and shrimp tacos is what is what's on the Lockbee's uh, menu this evening. Uh, yeah. So again, we'll prepare for, for Ole Miss, game tonight. I want to see the rewind show because again, I want to hear 
as much as we hate, you know, Longhorn Network taking our coach away from the field and, and, and slapping him up there on Monday night, I really want to hear what he has to say, you know, about individual plays during the game because, again, it's going to be his first rewind show. Just excited to, to, to delve into this short week of, of, of getting prepped for Arkansas. Uh, two things, man. He's personal. He's personal. He's easy to listen to, man. Yes, and, and sir. I think from a schematic, I think from a schematic standpoint, it, it, it's kind. Of, it's like this. I, I, I kind of when when we had an opportunity to go get Urban Meyer, you, you start looking at these these YouTube videos, and I think he was doing these things on 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 the Big Ten where he kind of goes through all the Big Ten programs each week. I think he picks a team, or and he talks about you know offense, he talks about defense, and and what makes them great. It, you want to listen to people that are op- a personal to that sound really, really, really smart to make you even smarter than what you thought you were to, to give you an idea. And I think that's what it is, man. It comes down to being personal and, and, and easy to talk to and, and real and real. And, and I think if you're real, then people will want to watch in. I'm, I'm excited. I, I hate, I hate that. He, like Jeremy said, I hate that they take him away from the things he needs to do to get ready for game week, but definitely excited at seven o'clock tonight to, to watch rewinds on Longhorn Network. Yeah. Josh Young with another $4 and 49 cent super chat. Thank you so much, Josh. Uh, like Clint said, I hope you enjoyed the, the football game uh, this weekend. Uh, I want us to run the score up and don't let up the entire game. National TV recruits will be watching and conference will be looking for us to let loose. Yes, I mean, it is it is a, a game that's, that's, that's more meaningful now that we're joining the SEC. It's more meaningful now that you're in that 6, 6 p.m. slot on ESPN as the national game. Again, we talked about, you know, ESPN game day won't be there, but SEC Network will be. Uh, and so, yeah, send a message. Send a message. I, I think this team is probably going to be in a good position to do just that. I think the current line, and I'm not a Vegas guy, but I think it's been – I think it started out at three and a half, and it's already bumped up to six and a half. But, yeah, let's go out there and do exactly what we did against the six and a half point underdog this week, and that's, you know, beat about 20 or if not more. So Archer, Archer Hadley, uh, what about run blocking? Carter's elusive, but it only do so much without help. I, I think it is, um, again, it comes back to your head coach is an offensive guru that's going to to put plays in that is going to help your offensive line moving forward until they can get 100% good to go. I think that's what it is. Letting the ball go really, really fast. I can tell you, again, I don't want to get too much into Arkansas, Texas, but I promise you this, if we're running outside of the tackles – we should be doing pretty good uh, against Arkansas. I'm going to tell you that now. We want to run outside the tackles. Absolutely correct. Like, like I feel really good now that I've heard the coach say that that he feels better about the blocking in the offensive line play than I did. Again, I have to go back and watch it for, for a fourth time to, to pick up on those things that he's talking about. Uh, but that's, like I said, that's why you do what we do. You go back and listen to him and what he thinks. And, again, that's why the, the rewind is going to be important for me to watch tonight is because I obviously missed some things that he saw. And, again, it's, it's his scheme. You know, it's his it's his running back. It's his it's his offensive line scheme. It's him and Kyle Floods, you know, working together. But I do want to throw up a couple of quick comments from Tracy because I think Tracy's already in the bourbon. He said he's going to have his first bourbon uh, in a few minutes. And the reason why I say he he's already gotten into it is he says Jeremy Clinton Rich they need to upgrade those seats though they were they were talking about how many close close people were earlier I think they are just cheap and you are right on the money brother like I wouldn't say cheap but frugal yes sir like I I, I like to be able to see 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 the game at press box level to see all eleven guys the closer I get like we had really close seats for the spring game 
Uh, because again, it's first come, first serve, grab your seats, and we want to be on the 50 and kind of low. I can't see the game from there. I'll be honest with you. That's a, that's a lot of the reason why me and Clint don't attend the games. It's because we like to be in the comfort of our own home, being able to see the game in real time, take notes. But yeah, we we I consider myself to be on the frugal side, not necessarily cheap. Your thoughts? Yeah. No, no, no. No, I, I, I can't say I'm frugal, man. Me and, I, I can tell you, I, I, me and my wife like to take nice trips. You know, everybody, I think everybody likes nice things. I think you work hard for what you get. Um, I, I'm a guy that sits on the couch and watches football games, man. I, I want to start at like 8 o'clock in the morning, you know, start on Longhorn Network. I work myself to, to, the, to the old stuff. What is it? The All Access comes on that morning. I think you got a press conference that's going to lead you into either – uh, Big Fox noon or what is it? The the Fox actually is going to lead you into game day that starts one hour earlier than the Fox show, and then I kind of switch between those shows, and then I like catching the early games because it feels like once I catch those early games, it feels like I don't have to wait as long to get to my game. Like this next weekend, like a, what six o'clock start, seven o'clock start, that's forever, dude. But there's some games oh. before that, you know. There's some games before that. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna sit there and we'll watch A um, and M's going up to Colorado, man, to play in Denver. Uh, Colorado, we'll, we'll see what they do. AM didn't look so hot this weekend against Kent State. Their, their quarterback threw for three interceptions. They gave up five, five point something yards per rush to, to Kent State and having to go up to Colorado, uh, where they just ran for 200 plus yards. Definitely excited about that one because that's going to be before our game. But yeah, it, it's kind of square up where we're at. This yeah, point. and I and I kind of signed myself up for a for a golf tournament this weekend on Saturday, so I'm going to be hurting probably Saturday because I'm going to be out in the sun, kind of like folks were uh, this weekend for a three thirty kick. I'll probably be in the sun all day that day, so looking to recover. So Clint will have to give me the intel on the early games. Probably get home just in time to take a shower and, and hop in to, to Texas versus Arkansas, and then probably an abbreviated post game show. Like the nine o'clock, the six o'clock starts are hard for us because the game generally doesn't end until ten. And so, so we'll see what we'll see what Saturday brings. But yeah, like like Glenn Keller saying, tell you what, AC and no lines for beer, making me think about going <laughs> to these games. <laughs> Love the atmosphere this weekend, though. Great time again. Three thirty starts in like somebody needs to relook that. Three thirty starts in Texas summer is not a good thing. I heard folks were were dealing with dehydration issues. I, I think if you if you're starting a game in 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 the summer in Texas, it has to be a later start in my mind. Just keep people safe. Josh Young, imagine scheme, money pass, Roshan pass, card, pass, card, and slot, Bijan, Wildcat, DJ slot, confused arc. They don't know what is coming at them. And I, I don't know what just came to me either for that 499 Super Chat at that particular point. No, he's just saying there's many different alignments and many different, you know, positions that you can put guys in to, to continue to, to, to have defensive coordinators prepare for what could be anything that walks out there. Uh, Cody Phillips, how do you do it with kids, Clint? Uh, they up and making a ruckus well before kickoff. No. Uh, so my, my, my youngest is, is 17. She's a junior in high school. So she's definitely not making ruckus, uh, early in the morning. She may not even wake up until after the football game at any given particular point. I may see her probably around 10 or 11 o'clock. And then, um, she goes back upstairs to her room and I may see her eight or nine o'clock when she gets hungry. She wants me to take her some, somewhere to get something to eat. Or before, like before we came on here, hey, I need to go to Walmart to pick up a sketch sketchbook for, for our class, whatever the case may be. So um, that's about as much as I see of her. Um, the one that keeps me, the one that gets me up early is I have a, a Shepney. She's part shepherd, uh, German shepherd, part great Pyrenees. Um, she's the one that wakes me up uh, early in the morning, but she, she gets pretty calm after about nine, 10 o'clock in the morning after a walk, she'll, she'll lay down and she doesn't do to, too much until about five thirty. She sleeps, she sleeps quite a bit, but she, she's definitely the pain in the ass of the house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My dogs, they get up pretty early too. 
Again, my kids are grown just like Clint's. Uh, so, so not a whole lot of distractions other than the, you guys hear the dogs every now and then in the show. You can remote where we're at, man. Like I say, we're working really hard. Uh, been at this thing for about an hour. Uh, don't know if you have any more comments you want to pull up real quick. No, I didn't get rid of this one, though. Okay. All right. Okay. So hey, I think I'm going to refresh this real quick. I'm going to refresh it over here. Uh, we're currently sitting at 2,996. So if there's four people out of the 181 currently watching it, please if you wouldn't mind, hit that subscribe button. Get us to 3,000 before next weekend's game at Arkansas. Uh, we're going to be putting out a whole bunch of content. I think tomorrow, me and Jeremy may be working on a on, on, on a podcast, or we may actually put this one out via podcast as well. So um, for those that don't um, have an have opportunity to watch it on YouTube or not finish it on YouTube, you can easily put it in your car. Take our, our uh, podcast. You can find us on uh, really any podcast platform, Spotify, Apple, Stitcher. Um, the list goes on and on and on. All you got to do is just go in there and type in your search box, Texas Football Talk. It is part of the Pigskin Podcast Network. You can watch us there. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at Texas Football Talk, on Instagram at Texas Football Talk, and on Twitter at TX Football Talk. We appreciate you joining us on this 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 Labor Day weekend. We figured we'd come in at 3 o'clock and, and get it out of the way. 885 people watching this during the middle of the afternoon is, is definitely a good place to go. Yeah, we'll hit this one up before we before we roll out because Josh paid five dollars to let us know, and, and we we understand that that the that the cable providers, whether it be Fox or ESPN or whoever's playing the game, picks the, the the designated start time. You just hope that they would you know take into consideration the fan experience and and, and not pe- make people suffer through hundred degree temperatures you know for four straight hours uh, on a, on a Saturday afternoon. That's just. I get it that Fox picks that, ESPN picks that, ABC gets to pick that. But at the same time, you'd hope that they'd, they'd look out for the welfare of those in attendance. Just my thoughts. One last one, Jeremy, before we get off here. Um, Cody Phillips, who's been around for a long, long time, man. He was stats guy uh, at the beginning of this. Joshua Young's been around for a long time. There's a whole bunch of people who have been around, like day ones, like when me and Jeremy first started this. Like literally, we'd only have, what, like 20 people watching these lives at any given time. You know, Cody Phillips, Josh growth this year has been amazing to watch, like 300 plus Saturday, plus like 300 plus on Saturday. Congrats, you guys. Hey, we appreciate it, man. This is a big family here. Big family. You know, one of the, I think the biggest, who was it? Uh, Fanatic Perspective did a show with Texas Homer, I think last week. Um, they did a, I think it was a live, if I'm not mistaken. And, and one of the biggest things that, thing that I took away from that was Fanatic Perspective when they were talking about, you know, a content creators, uh, Texas Longhorn content creators on YouTube, um, is that, that Steve said, Hey, man, uh, listen to Texas football talk. It's like sitting around. Um, the cooler and drinking beer, man. And I think that is is where we wanted to be at, regardless of how how fast we've grown, you know, obviously moving towards sponsors and, and having a podcast and, and doing those things. We never want to change um, who we are, man. And that, that's who we are. We're just two guys that want to talk football, uh, answer as many comments as we possibly can. Obviously, when the numbers are large, we can only pick and choose. So you can we actually go through these, believe it or not, we go through all these comments so much listen to ourselves, but go through the comments and we actually pick like four or five questions for our podcast to answer that we could not answer in the show because we really want to answer these things. We love the comments between y'all guys. Um, I think that's important, just as important as well. So uh, we appreciate y'all listening to us. Um, enjoy this. If you if you didn't have to work today, enjoy the short week because, hey, we got another football game uh, on Saturday. We'll be back um, on a live Thursday night for our pregame, uh, for our pregame. That's going to use our established time for pregames. It's going to be Thursdays, uh, but we appreciate y'all listening. As always, y'all have a wonderful rest of y'all day and hook them. Hook them.